Hello and welcome back to the Full of Chit Chat podcast on charliedemares.substack.com, also on the Harbinger Media Network. Thank you very much for listening. We have got uh, just, I know I, I pretty much always say this, uh, that it's one of my favorite people uh, who's going to be on the show, but that's because uh, as it stands, uh, at the moment I have not yet to had to wander outside of the circumference of circle of favorite people uh, so far in programming this uh, little show. And, I, and I'm hoping not to have to uh, anytime soon. Um, but this guy is a, a real treat because he is uh, genuinely beloved and uh, beloved, you know, by the by the people in his life who were supposed to beloved him, but uh, beloved uh, by also by strangers, which is one of those uh, feelings that uh, so few of us uh, get to experience. Uh, he is an actor, a director, a producer. Um, he has uh, been on just in every level of, uh, you know, acting in uh, Canada and North America um, on the stage. Uh, live television, animation. Uh, he's currently up for a Canadian Screen Award uh, for uh, Corner Gas Animated Season 3, where he is reprising, reprising his role as uh, Davis uh, from Dog River. Uh, you know him, you love him. It's Lorne Cardinal. Well, bonjour. Uh, it's nice to be here, Charlie. Thank you very much for the invite. And I'm totally okay if you say that I'm your totally favorite one. Out of everybody, so. <laughs> well, I think it was. So I, don't, I don't want to put you in a hard place, but you know it's okay to say it. I'm good. Strongly implied. So I I learned of your belovedness. I feel the hard way, because I I knew. I mean I I knew that you uh, and and you exude that uh, lovable quality. I think you know some people just they've got it, um, and and some people you have to work a little to love, and and just some people just immediately have it. And I mean, you know, that, I, and I don't mean that remotely sarcastically. I mean, I think like the way that uh, my daughter responded within like five minutes of meeting yeah. you, she yeah. was like drawing at your portrait and yeah, it's, it's <laughs> um, very nice portrait as well. Yeah. But, but I debated you on an episode of the debaters that was taped um, at the uh, University of Alberta um, in Edmonton, uh, which maybe you can say uh, a bit more about because I, I think it's your alma mater or you have some connection to the school. But it, it was as though uh, in terms of the way I was received, it was like I was debating, you know, grandma at her birthday, like in terms <laughs> of taking on uh, the, like, the, the amount of sheer love in that room for you, uh, in, no kidding, was, was unlike anything really I've, I've ever seen. Well, Charlie, it was, uh, I hate to admit it, but it was a bit of a stacked deck. Um, <laughs> it was the U of A, and it is my alma mater, and I was on the Meyer Horowitz stage as in part of my Bachelor of Fine Arts acting program we did uh, we did a couple of plays there on that stage so i knew the territory i had the lay of the land and uh, uh and i invited all my family so <laughs> right but you i mean you the, were the, at a disadvantage so. i was at something of a disadvantage but you and i could go to simon fraser university where i went to uh school and i the 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 advantage would not have been as felt as distinctly like <laughs> this was you you were really um you were really home. And I mean, 
I, uh, I mean, most people, I think it's fair to say, uh, in terms of, you know, mass audiences uh, in Canada, uh, know you from Corner Gas in either of the iterations, either live action right. or animated. Um, but anyone who's attended, you know, theater in this country for long, um, or, or even if, if you go to some of the theaters that, that you know, keep photos of, of past productions, like uh, the Fire Hall Theater here in Vancouver has you know, photos of you in, in, in productions from, from, right. uh, from years back. I mean, you, you're a major uh, stage actor in, in this country's history. Yeah, that's how I started my, uh, started my passion when I, when I discovered acting was, uh, was uh, for theater, uh, doing live theater on stage. And, uh, and I love it. And there's nothing, nothing that compares to it. Um, I love the whole process and I love live theater, getting an instant feedback from the audience. It's one of my passions. It's why I pursued it. And then, you know, film and TV became, uh, you know, just a byproduct of it. And, uh, but I would, I, I would, if, if theater paid as well as film and TV, I would do nothing but theater. That's how much I love it. Right. Yeah. See, this is, um, uh, like I, I work with, uh, work with, I live with, uh, live with. <laughs> let, let me see if the third time I start this sentence, uh, I'll get it right. Uh, uh, so one of the guys who lives in my co-op is a um, is an actor who uh, there was a, there was one point in his uh, career a few years ago where he and, and and he has now started doing a lot more voice work, a lot more sort of film and TV. He was working. Um, you know, as much or more than anyone in theater in, in the city, mm -hmm. like just was rehearsing one show while another show was finishing all through the year. And yeah, and like, you literally like that level of work was like pure treading water survival level income. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, um, I remember my first years at a university, I would, I would book shows back to back to back to back, which made it really hard when you're living in one city and working everywhere else except there, you know, so those are the sacrifices you make for what you do. And then it, it comes a point where, um, where just living your life and all of a sudden, you know, you buy a house or you have a debt, you have stuff and it's like, I need to make more money. Yeah. 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 And how can I still do what I love and, and still make a living at it and not worry about, you know, being in debt to everybody and the CRA and all that kind of, you know, stuff, which is always a nightmare, especially it's really hard to be a, it's hard to be an entertainer or performer in this country. Yeah. It's really hard. And, uh, and I admire those who still do it. And uh, I, I still, but now I, I save up. I save up to put a little nest egg aside so I can afford to do theater. Yeah. And then I, I'm able to, uh, you know, pick the projects and places where I want to work and, and uh, lucky enough to know some very fine directors who, you know, someday they'll say, Hey, we want to, you know, do like a, a Glynis Lation. Uh, my, my last, one of my last ones was uh, said, Hey, you want to play King Henry VIII? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. And it was uh, fantastic. You know, we did this show in Calgary and it was just, so I saved up for that and uh, we did The Last Wife and it was, uh, it was a, f a phenomenal uh, production. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's so 
cool for I mean for people to get to hear that as well like just that 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 just that feeling of 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 passion that uh you know and 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 I mean understanding that that even when you're doing what you love for a living which is its own kind of incredible you know lottery ticket win mm-hmm. I mean it's it's obviously it's an amazing thing to get to uh be a comedian or be a writer or be an actor you know but that even within that there there there's the stuff you do to pay the bills there's the stuff you do because that's how everybody sees you and you go okay well I guess this is where my bread is buttered like this is the kind Mm -hmm. of stuff this is the kind of stuff I do and and uh but but to be able to find within that um uh the the ability to um the ability to to you know, to say this to, and, and the clarity to know, like, this is the kind of art that I really, that I really love making. And, and I mean, I, do, do you find that, I mean, there's obviously as well, the added things about, you know, it, it, it used to be that there were, and, and I mean, to, I guess, to a certain extent, um, this is something that's still present. Um, you know, there were only certain kinds of people who got to present themselves as sort of universal artists and everybody else got kind of slotted into certain boxes based on their backgrounds, based on their demographic, based on the way they look, based on whatever it was. Mm. Uh, do, do you feel that there's any movement towards um, people getting to uh, um, be a little bit more um, uh, uh, choosing their their own paths in their in their artistic expression a bit more I, yeah i think and and that is a totally conscious effort that the uh, the artist has to make you can't relay rely on uh, the business to do it for you you have to at times make stands to say no i'm not going to do that um um i i look my for myself i i purposely look for things that challenge me or I haven't done for a while or so I don't do characters that are Davis-like because right. I've done that. So I, I, I look at the overall project. Is it funny? Is it, you know, is there something there? Is there, you know, is there some heart or passion that inspires me? And if it's just, Oh, a few laughs, then I'll go, no, that's good. I've done, I've done shows where it's, you know, cheap comedy and I love doing cheap comedy because uh, it's fun, challenging, <laughs> but I don't want to do it all the time. That's when, when I was doing Corner Gas, I would do Davis all through the spring and summer. And then in the fall, I would have a uh, show picked and lined up that I could, would be the total, total opposite of Davis. Right. So I would do, you know, Sam Shepard's True West out in Edmonton <laughs> or, you know, Where the Blood, Where the Blood Mixes by Kevin Loring, you know, uh, you know, I'd have these... Because, because I'm an actor and I want to stretch and, and, and stretch and challenge myself and, and you know, still yeah. flex the acting muscles. So, and if you don't flex them enough, they get, you know, they atrophy. Uh, so that's what I, what I did. I just totally um, play the opposite and look for things. Now it's, it's like, who do I want to work with? Like, yeah. who, uh, what stories do I want to tell? Where's the interesting? I want to do Shakespeare at Stratford. That keeps... You know, I keep playing it. It keeps, uh, they keep agreeing and then something comes up. Right. And it's like, well, and, and because the whole COVID thing too, and now, now it's, uh, it's, it's harder on them. And I, you know, uh, it's harder for every theater company in, in the country because of COVID restrictions. Yes. But, you know, and I would love to support each and every single company out there. But, you know, again, I can't afford to pay to work. 
because it right. yeah. makes sense. Yeah. No matter how much I would love to, I can't put myself in a financial hole. Otherwise, you know, I don't, I can, uh, no, and it's stress. <laughs> yeah, and it's not. It's not anything. It's not anything that anybody should be asked to do. Not not only because you know it it's counter to uh, you know the dignity of the craft itself, uh, but but also because eventually what that means is that only rich people can make the art. Like you, you, yeah, you get yeah. to a place where only you know this is this is what's happening in in writing, um, and to you know you you start to see it more in comedy as well. Like that this the, the um, you know, the success of, of projects um, that are, you know, um, and, and they're, you know, they're great shows and they're great things, but, you know, they're, they're, they're people who come from, you know, they're second generation comedy people or they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're people starting from a place of, um, uh, of, of access. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, only rich people can afford to pay to get to do their work or, um, you know, so, so, it's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable model to, um, yeah. I, the, the, the laughter at, at, at Sam Shepard, uh, it was just like literally the, the, um, I mean, <laughs> Moliere speaking of the theater, you know, the, his, you know, theory of, you know, that comedy is incongruity. And I mean that, you know, yeah. the idea of, of corner gas and, and Sam Shepard as how you're going to spend your year. That is about the most kind of incongruous, uh, I sort of set a script. I think you could uh, cook up. That is uh, a, a pretty, pretty wild swing. I mean, this, this now, uh, what you guys are all experiencing on Corner Gas is essentially unprecedented in in Canadian television. Um, which is that? I mean, there it, there was there were six seasons, right, of the live action. Yeah. And and now you've done three seasons of of the animated. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is nine seasons with this with this character that you've been that you've been. I mean, so you've all been and, act- the movie. and oh, it's right, that, right, and a movie that is like. I mean, this is like no one else in in. Am I am I am I wrong? Like, has anybody in Canadian? Um, like scripted entertainment, like has anyone ever had the chance to inhabit a character for for this kind of certainly not on the comedy side for this kind of no uh, no epic it, length? It's, it's it's very you know it's very fortuitous and very um, I don't know just a, a, a total blessing to, to be a part of that show and the fact that Brent hit on these characters and then the cast bring these characters to life to the point that every everybody in Canada and the states now and around the world really because we're the the show is spread that people are loving these characters and and I think it's because they see themselves in those characters yeah like when I, I remember when it first came out, I was living in Toronto and uh, the first season came out and it was a, you know, it was a huge hit and we didn't, didn't understand how big it was or why it was working, but people loved it. So you go, yay, might get another season. Actor gets a job. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? But the first time I had a, a walk by laughing 
is is was at my local grocery store when I was weighed down with bags and I was heading back to the house with my groceries and then these people walked by looked at me gave me that double take and just started laughing and pointing amazing yeah and then I immediately looked at my zipper to make sure my fly was up but you know <laughs> like what what's going on here who are they and then it's funny how it progressed you're that guy on that show yeah was how it goes and then it was Davis that guy on that show and then it was Lauren <laughs> so, oh you know, wow! Over the years, they actually began to know my name and and realized that yeah, I'm not, I'm that guy. But they also bothered to learn my real name as well. So you know, it's it's very interesting, and you know, uh, it's it's stunning how how people gravitated towards all these characters. And it's you know, again, it's a testament to having brilliant writers and brilliant actors and directors to bring the show to life. And and uh, I remember getting off the airplane in Cape Breton. And going through security and the security guys recognizing me and then them wanting to take pictures with me as I was frisking them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll do this. So I'm taking pictures, frisking these security guys and they're laughing. And I'm just watching everyone walk through security, smiles on their faces. And they're going like, this is, yeah, you know, I guess it's not a high risk area, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was luckily, that was not the day of the, uh, the great uh, Cape Breton um, uh, <laughs> yes. bombing that, uh, yeah. yeah, we all uh, remark solemnly every year. I, I, I mean, I, I remember uh, when I watched the first season of, um, da Vinci's Inquest. One of the uh, like totally jarring elements of that is that uh, both Eric Peterson and Gabrielle Miller um, show up uh, in in the context of like lightly fictionalized, deeply deeply grisly like crime stories of yeah uh, from of Canadian history, and. Um, you know, it just, it immediately puts you in this place, uh, you know, that, that incongruity again of thinking of Corner Gas and uh, Da Vinci's Inquest in the, in the same breath. But the two things about Da Vinci's Inquest and Corner Gas that really are um, uh, intimately linked to me are that they, they were these two shows that came out of Canada at a time where everyone making art in Canada was being told, if you've got a story about Vancouver, make it about a West coast city. So people can imagine that it's Seattle or, yeah. you know, just, just, just rub out the details in whatever story yeah. you're telling so that we can sell it to international markets. And, yeah. and the two biggest, most beloved critical successes, commercial successes, these two things that completely landed. And I guess you have people like Laura Lightbound who were, who were involved from a, you know, production uh, angle with, with both projects. Um, the, these two things were the, the most specific stories absolutely set in place, made no attempt to hide where they were. And it's that oldest thing in the book, which is that if you, the more specific and particular and owned up to you make the story you're telling and you tell your own story, that's what makes it universal. That's what gives people in Belgium or South Africa the chance to actually relate to it because then they can start, then they can start understanding your story through the prism of, of their own because you didn't try to set it in nowheresville. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that, well, that was the beauty of it too. It was just the, the locale and the people would go, Oh, everyone. And I find out that 
when I was stopped a lot in Toronto by people saying how much, just to tell me how much they uh, they love the show and stuff, and I find out that the people in Toronto are actually from other places right. other than Toronto, right? Everyone, everyone's got a small town connection somehow, either directly they came from a small town or their parents came from a small town. And that's why, you know, so it was, it was that nerve, that Canadian nerve that we had. Mm-hmm. Going, yeah. Everyone knows these characters and, uh, and, uh, and they, they, relish them you know that that romantic is it romanticized i don't know pining for that purity of these characters and that's what i loved about davis the challenge of playing him was he's a two-dimensional character so the interesting thing was how to keep that fresh and exciting and the only way to make that true was that he was a hundred percent into whatever he was into yeah planning a planning a wedding (laughs) riding cars you know shriner cars or you know, police gear. He was like, it was all right. It was that total <laughs> new excitement, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do it. And that's where he lived. You know, he never went halfway on anything. It was always all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, which it, I love that innocence, that innocence that he had. And so it was, it was uh, always a challenge every year to go, how does this guy go again? You know, especially after we took the, we finished our last season. Then two years later, because of popular demand, Brent wrote a movie and we, you know, with the brilliance of uh, Virginia Thompson to get the financing in order and stuff to make that happen uh, was because of popular demand. And then we broke yeah. Canadian box office records for film, a Canadian film. So that show has been breaking records ever since it came on the air. You know, we bumped The Simpsons for number one show on, on the Comedy Network. We finally, you know, amazing. Corner Gas had bumped them out of number one. The idea, that, you know, and I'm sure it bothers bothers the Canadian, the Comedy Network, that their number one show is Canadian. But you gotta, you know, you, well, the Bell Monster is now in charge, and we got a whole new crop of executives coming in. So I'm sure there's going to be someone going to try and reinvent the wheel and yeah. get rid of us so they can make their own mark. You know, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. I um the business the, after all, it's a business. <laughs> The business of show. The business of show. The other other show that you are currently involved in, which is a big part of my life through my daughter, Mm -hmm. but which a lot of listeners to to this show may not not, um, be familiar with if if they don't have a a little one in their life, is is Molly of Denali, which is just an incredible show. And I mean, when we talk about um, award-winning, and, and I mean, you, uh, by the way, congratulations, are, are, uh, you're up for a Canadian Screen Award for, for mm. Davis, and, and uh, yeah. I am pulling for you. And, and, uh, but Molly of Denali uh, won a Peabody Award, which yeah. is, a, is a very different thing for a, uh, for a cartoon. Can, can you say a little bit about Molly of Denali? What kind of project yeah, it is? Yeah, Molly... Yeah, Molly is a it's a show for PBS, PBS Kids out of Boston, and uh, and the Peabody Awards, quite prestigious award, and, and it's for the the work that they do. The show is is basically 15 minutes, and it's for the uh, you know my demographic, the four to eight year old crowd, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's on and CBC it's, in in Canada. Yeah, CBC Kids, it's on CBC Kids as well. And um, it, it, it's brilliant because it, it talks, it, it, uh, the main character is a little girl, eight years old. Her name's Molly. She lives in Alaska. 
and she's First Nations and her whole family's First Nations, but it's, and, but her friends, uh, they're a mix from everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's basically, it should just shares uh, their kids' curiosity uh, about their environment around them. They explore their area around them, the plants, the animals, the story, talking to their grand grandpa about stories of this and that, you know, so she's learning about her culture and, and, and using indigenous language in the show as well. So it's, empowering not only to kids but indigenous kids who hear their own language and go hey i know that word hey that's us you know seeing themselves on a media on tv and going hey you know we can do that you know opening up that door because when i started we didn't i didn't have any you know jesse of the beachcombers about the only native guy on tv and back back in the day yeah you know and gonna go find that log because that was his job (laughs) that's our log hey (laughs) <laughs> you know, not not to denigrate logs. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, logs somebody's got to find them. You know, yeah. Uh, but they're out there, they're dangerous. <laughs> but this is, I mean, so Josephine, my uh, seven-year-old, your um, portrait artist, uh, yeah. is is uh, you know obsessed with with Molly of Denali. Um, it's it's her sort of prism for like uh, there. There's a uh, a Chinese. Um, uh, a pork jerky store in town that uh, my mother-in-law drops off bags of uh, jerky from at our house. And, mm. and Josephine uh, will quote Molly of Denali and say, well, I never say no to dried meat. Like it's <laughs> like her big, um, so she's branded that experience. Um, oh, that's awesome. But she, I mean, she, 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 she had to, we had some, we had some uh, uh, princess, uh, w- one of our, our co-creators and, and producers of the show shared the story of, um, she was talking to somebody down in America, down in Texas, and uh, they, they'd watched the, a show, an episode of the show with their, with their kids. And after the, the show was over, their, their child turned to the parents and said, mom, do we have ancestors? You know, so it opens up wow. a whole questions and, and dialogue with their kids. You know, it's beautiful moments that, you know, parents are, are forced to, to look at, you know, and connect with their kids and share who they are, where they come from, what's their story, you know. Very interesting uh, effect uh, of a show to have is to empower kids with history, their personal history. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, you you it's you play Grandpa Nat on on the He's show. A handsome rascal, yeah. Handsome rascal, very handsome. Uh, he, uh, and he is uh, he is a, he's a scientist. He's often out in the field. Um, uh, sometimes he's a volcanologist. The study he, of volcanoes. That's what his expertise is. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I see. I I I, I'm, I was aware that he was you know going out to study something. I I I, I admit that I did not have his field uh, <laughs> that precisely nailed down. Uh, but. Um, he also, uh, you know, in, in I think one of the first uh, episodes or two, um, uh, you know, is is essentially uh, sharing the story uh, with with Molly and 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 her best friend um, about his residential school experience. And um, around Orange T-shirt Day uh, this mm-hmm. year, you know, I'm I'm having a conversation uh, with Josephine and. Uh, you know, you're trying to put these these absolutely, you know, seemingly 
uh, undescribable, in, sorry, indescribable, uh, just just kind of uh, ungraspable ideas into into um, you know bite-sized uh, um, units for for that that a, that a seven-year-old can wrap their head around. And yeah. and while I'm kind of in the middle of just kind of grasping, trying to uh, uh, explain this to her, she's just she says she says like Grandpa Nat. And you know, I sent you and and um, and Monique, your your partner, I, um, who I know from uh, the stand up comedy world years and years ago. I I sent you both the message that night. I I because I I mean it was it was so I, it was so t- the idea that this had made this 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 idea that I mean so many people in in. Um, Canada and the United States, uh, uh, so many non-Indigenous people made it to adulthood without ever having even heard of, let alone begun to process in, in past generations. Um, and, and, and the impossibility of, of confronting that idea in, in the abstract with, without hearing stories or without sort of imagining what what that actually meant on the level of of an individual life and that 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 this show which is not at all this like hard to watch you know agitprop propaganda show it's not mm-hmm. heavy-handed it's not beating the kids over the head with it it's not yeah. she doesn't watch the show and come away feeling shitty she doesn't feel like yeah. it it's this it's this exhilarating fun she feels she feels engaged and invited uh, but but she also came away in that particular case with this like with this hook into one of the most important stories that she needs to know in order to live in a good way in this mm-hmm. place. And I, I just th- there's no other cartoon in her life that that has come anywhere near uh, you know that kind of. Um, you know that kind of important and and so many people try to do stuff like that for mm-hmm. kids and they end up just making that kind of hammer hammer over the head stuff or yeah you know it's really a cartoon for the parents so the parents can yeah. feel good about what they're showing and and that that's not what molly of denali is at all no it's it's great like like i said it, it's a, it's a great look at people's environment around them it, that encourages kids in different geographical areas to look at their own surroundings that's the point of it you know to make a connection between uh um the plants and where they live and stuff and 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 uh somebody was uh they saw uh, uh, <laughs> uh an episode of molly and then they were out with their kids out picking blueberries and they saw their kid giving thanks to the blueberry plants because that happened on molly as well wow yeah, so it's that kind of connection that's important to to keep alive I, I yeah. think as, as they grow up, to make them realize it for once, make it their own. They make it their own. There's no pressure that this is right, this is wrong. It's just this is how it is. And people, you know, young kids are very smart. They're very mm-hmm. smart when they they latch on to an idea or something. They, you know, they run with it and they go, hey, I can do that too. So that's always an awesome thing when you empower kids with that freedom of, of choice and 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 they exercise it they go i'm gonna do this i'm gonna you know so i'm gonna ask my folks <laughs> forcing the adults yeah. to come to the table too you know it's like hey 
So it's, I mean, it's a privilege to be on, on those kind of shows. And again, it was like, uh, I know they did the pilot and I didn't get a job out of that. And then when they went into seasons, they went and did some recasting and I was lucky enough to to get uh, picked as one of the voices. So it's, you know, it's nice to be in that show and, and uh, Grandpa Nat's quite fun. His, his love for his granddaughter is quite and uh, quite touching between the two. So it's, it it's awesome to be, yeah, to be that positive uh, impact on her. And also not just letting her run roughshod, but making her work. You know, he could tell her some answers by telling her, or he can just help her as she discovers herself. And that's what he prefers to do. So she learns that way. It's a very unsentimental it's it's yeah. it's an unsentimental show, and and I don't mean unsentimental in in the sense of unfeeling. I mean it's unsentimental yeah. in the sense of like uh, the 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 adult characters on this show are are very straightforward in their in their in the way they care about the children on the show. It, it, mm-hmm. In the way that is true of um, you know if you're in a working class family, if you're in mm-hmm. a lot of uh, uh, immigrant families or or what i 've uh, experienced in, in in indigenous families like that 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 way of approaching the relationship between um, the generations in a in a house um, that's that 's not that kind of totally sentimentalized um, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, um, well, I, I can't really describe what I'm saying, but, but that, 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 that expect that idea that there are expectations of, of you based on, you know, behavior and, and, uh, responsibility, you know, from, from quite an early age and none of that undercuts the, the love in the, in the room, but also understanding that you're not doing, uh, you're not doing a kid any favors by, doing everything for them yeah yeah exactly i mean that's that's the beauty of kids they they learn really quickly so if you just give them some leeway get point them in the right direction they, they can figure stuff out yeah you know there's that old story of watching a a kid on a tricycle ride along the rail of a fence on two wheels and then <laughs> the only time they fall is when they're told about gravity <laughs> <laughs> You know, they figure it out. They figure out how to do it. And it defies our, our adult brain of, you can't do that. Or you're yeah. not. It's like, you, as soon as they learn that, you know, you, you kill half their creativity and their intuition and their and their uh, wonderfulness that they have, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, Steve Patterson, the host of the debaters, uh, uh, will say how, like, he is functionally bilingual, but only if he's drunk. Uh, <laughs> and And it is that, like, once he has removed the inhibition and the embarrassment and the, then he can get into a cab and, and speak to the Francophone yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, driver. Like, yeah, this is where we need to go and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But like, if he, once he's got that, like that super ego in charge, yeah. uh, he's like, we don't speak French. What are you thinking? This is yeah. like, and it's, uh, but, but with kids, uh, you know, there's that, there's that, that sense of they don't, they don't know what's impossible. And so, yeah that yeah. that excitement about life is is yeah. uh it's an and it can be infectious if you allow yourself um uh, absolutely that's something i mean that's what we get that's what i do i pretend for a living yeah <laughs> so yeah i get to you know and so the, the 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 task is to find jobs where i can go pretend wait and pretend <laughs> wait yeah the waiting is also a big yeah. 
Yeah, you get paid for waiting, and then uh, the acting I do for free. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that is so. I mean, the and the very few times that I've done any sort of on camera work, I am always just totally blown away by how, how tedious it is yeah. like yeah. the the you you understand why it's so well paid i mean the the um uh, you know stage stuff is is so exciting like you're on yeah. the stage yeah. you're performing i mean it's just yeah. like this is what you've signed up for if you like mm. acting then it's it's just a pure a hit of it. process i love it you know two yeah. weeks of, of going to work nine to five or nine to ten every day and it's submerging yourself in this world and this character and then going home and sleeping with it and living with it and having mm -hmm. dinner and then going back the next day to go play again and, and then doing it live on stage, you know, with an audience and, and, and that's, and then film and TV is like, oh, you show up and then you wait an hour and a half until you can get into hair and makeup. And yeah. then you, then you, you learn your lines, you get excited and then you wait another 45 minutes until, <laughs> and then, then you finally get to set and then you do it once. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's very. And then and yeah. then it'll be on TV in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll so see it if yeah, you yeah, remember. There's two different two different animals for sure. But being on on set, I love being on set too. Just the you know the the people involved are always cool. The crew is always uh, you know breath of fresh air to work with and hear listening to the stories. You know, a lot of these people have you know decades of experience yeah. in this industry that no one knows about, but which is you know, their expertise in wardrobe and hair and makeup and just lighting and, you know, gripping all the, all these important, important, the teamsters, the drivers, you know, everyone's so important in the industry. Yeah. Your actors are, are, are the most noticeable, but the smallest amount of effort comparison to everyone else. Like if, if we had a, a the, uh, the grip guy or the electric guy working, you know, at 40%, man, it would be a nightmare. Yeah. You know, yeah. you get away with it if they're not feeling it or if they're hungover or something. No, oh, I didn't feel like it. And it's like, yeah, well, you can go, you know, it won't be a stellar performance, but it doesn't put anyone's life at risk. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, the exactly. rest of the crew is on 100% because they have to be, you know, lives depend on it. Uh, physically <laughs> lives, because if they don't do a good job setting up some equipment, that could fall and kill somebody. So you want it to is insane. 100%. Yeah. It is insane. It's like an. It's 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 insane that that, that the phrase the talent uh, yeah. uh, survives into the twenty first century. That yeah. we still like on a set refer only to the actors yeah. as the talent when literally. I'm trying everyone... to get them to change that into meat puppets. <laughs> Send in the meat puppets. Yeah, coming, coming. Let me get my strings on. Here we go. <laughs> That's the David Mamet approach to uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, be a slightly better looking than average person. Uh, yeah. uh, can you remember words? You're hired. Yeah. Um, the basics I, of acting. Say, remember <laughs> your lines, hit your mark, and don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> what do you think? What about um, voice acting for you? How is that? What's that like? Uh, because oh, that I love it. It's so different. Um, it, it is because uh, I, I started when I started too. CBC used to produce radio plays, which is you know where right. I first met Eric, Eric Peterson. Was at a, we, we did a radio play together. Oh wow! Uh, what was back the play? In the day. Oh, who knows? Okay. But they stopped making them. Yeah, know, I met Paul Soule that way too. 
I was like freaking out because there was Mr. This is the law right there and Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man. And I'm working with him and he was just, he's a kind, kind oh, gentleman. Wow. Yeah, you know, Canadian royalty. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Paul Souls. And it's like, so I told him about that and he got all tickled pink. He says, oh man, that's so nice. You know, here's this, he was an older gent then. And uh, yeah, so he was, uh, you know, I was giving him his due and thanking him for his work. And I learned a bit about habeas corpus. <laughs> I did a show with Gordon Pinsent and oh, as, yeah, yeah. as we were leaving uh like uh some uh, uh older ladies uh were coming up to me and from what I could tell were just basically trying to um I like wingman me to get yeah. to Gordon Pinsent like we're essentially just trying to use me to to sleep with yeah. Gordon Pinsent like yeah, he yeah. it just I from what I understand they were like he was hot then he's hot now that was yeah, the yeah. uh the feeling he's he's another kind kind gent too very I mean, kind uh, uh, there was one point in my career where I was I was uh just debating whether I should chuck it all and 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 look for something else to do because you know it's just it was a tough not a lot of auditions happening and it's really hard in this business to keep getting rejected because rejection is a, a staple. Yeah. It's an everyday, it happens a lot and you have to learn how to deal with it and not turn it into cynicism or jadedness or even self-destructive. You have to realize that as an actor, there's a lot of things you have no control over. Mm hmm that affect whether you get hired or not you might be too tall you might be too short you might not be short enough you might be you know um there's so many different things involved that 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 you have no control over yeah it's not up to you all you can do is be as prepared as you can and give it your best shot that you're happy with and you know in when you look in the mirror you can look at yourself did i try my hardest yes that's all you can do then you just let it go walk away go on to the next thing, find something else, get ready for the next thing, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, because if you don't, so I was at that point and I was like, huh, wonder if I should, and then I got a, a one day job on a MOW in Ontario and I had four scenes in it and they were all with Gary Sinise. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So and an MOW for those who don't know is a movie of the week. Yeah. A movie of the week. And uh, it's, a, it's a smaller budget than a film. <laughs> way smaller budget than a film um but um so uh we did our cast read through and then two weeks later my day comes up to go work uh i show up uh, find my little skinny dressing room that they give the canadian talent and uh <laughs> it's like a jail cell except smaller shorter and and so I go wait in my little skinny uh, dressing room and I'm um, walking through and I see Gary Sinise coming my way. He stops. He goes, it's Lauren, right? I was so impressed that he even remembered my name because it was two weeks ago since we had a read through when we went around the table and introduced ourselves. But he's, you know, he's, he's classy enough to Amazing. know who he's working with. Yeah, like he read the call sheet and goes, oh, this, you know, <laughs> so that's what I do now. I just uh, to, so I can familiarize myself. But um we did our scenes and it was just in time for lunch. So we broke a bit early because we were done and uh, they said, come and have lunch with us. And I went, oh, okay. So it was at that point where I was debating whether I should uh, continue. Am I on the right path kind of deal? So we're sitting out having lunch, me and, me and Gary, call him Gary now. Uh, me and the Gare. <laughs> it's only fair. You're, the, he called you Lauren. Yeah, yeah. Me and the Garemeister. 
we were having our lunch and then we just start uh we start talking about theater and i said i almost worked with him because steppenwolf theater out of chicago which is where gary sinise and john malkovich kind of started they were doing a, a show of uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and i was on the list for a while to play the role of the chief and uh, I got uh, as far as talking with the director and as you know and he, and he, we had a great conversation I was very excited he was very excited then he said how tall are you and I said I'm six foot he goes oh, oh. the guy we hi- we just hired to play Harding is six two and I go oh so you really want a literally a bigger guy and he goes I'm afraid so and I said oh. well let's before we go, let you know that I can wear clothes that are too small. I can wear boots. I appear bigger than I actually am. I can appear 6'3 if I push it. You know? <laughs> You're holding because a cocktail Gary, umbrella yeah, over your head. Gary Sinise, is, uh, Gary Sinise is playing McMurphy. So that's where I almost got a chance. And oh, then, of wow. course, I went with uh, Will Sampson's kid, who's 6'4". So, so I went in. It's a no-brainer. It's Will Sampson's kid. So, of course, they're going to go with, you know. Right family uh, uh yeah lineage because that's a good marketing tool as well so. of course so i came close so i told him that story oh and then next thing i know who pops down next to us is gordon pinton oh and wow. i've worked with yeah and i'd worked with uh gordon pinton's wife in a play in toronto uh, a couple years before that charmy and king we, we did a play together and gordon came to see it so we start we so all three of us are sitting there yapping uh t- sharing theater stories and after a while we just you came listening to Gordon to tell stories <laughs> and we were laughing and, you know, sharing. And, and then I look up and everyone's had lunch and it's gone back to work except for us three. <laughs> Amazing. So was, yeah. And I just kind of went, I think this is a sign. <laughs> I'm on the right path. Cause they were talking to me, not, you know, as a colleague, as, yeah. as just one. And it was just a most awesome feeling. It's like, I am sharing stories with Gordon Pinson and Gary Sinise. Yes. I am on the right path. Oh man, yeah. I just don't want to. I don't want to add anything to that. I just, I feel like this is that's <laughs> where we should li- because I I I love that so much. I love that story and I and I I love that feeling and I feel like there are so many ways to get that feeling in what you're doing. Like it, some people, you know, are actors. Some people are writers. Some people are are nurses uh, or mm. or uh, you know that that were bus drivers like there there are but there are or, or parents or whatever but there are different ways in your life that you will get that feeling that that sense of like i i'm i'm doing the right thing and and yeah, sometimes it's yeah. in that it's it's in that sideways way of it's not even it's not even in the moment of like i'm on stage or i'm delivering the line yeah. or i'm doing the, it's it's in that moment of wait a minute, how did I get to this moment? What, what brought me here with these people to, to, to connect with these? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, it, it's I, funny I love when it. It happens, you know, it, it's stunning when I, you know, one of my first gigs was on Lonesome Dove and that's when I got to work with uh, Graham Greene for the first time. Oh, wow. And my character gets to string him up and slap him around. And and then, you know, that was one day and it was like, awesome <laughs> with Graham because he's a great guy, good storyteller. And so we laughed a lot and then I got to slap him around. So it was great. And then and, and then the next day I had to do another scene where my character had to uh, uh, kill Billy D. Williams. 
Oh. So it was great. So I'm sitting there. So me and Billy D are in the chairs outside in the sun, overlooking this vista of beautiful Calgary, where we're shooting this vista of this rocky canyon and, and raging river down below and just mountains surrounded by mountains. And here I am sitting talking with uh, Billy D. Williams, and we're talking about art and humanity and the history of religion and how man fucks it up all the time. And, you know, and, and he's a he's an incredible painter, which I did not know. But uh, Billy D. Williams is, is quite the artist as well, a painter. So, so we're sitting there, yeah, and I'm sitting there, I can't believe I'm talking about world religion and world history with, with Billy D. Williams as we watch our stunt guys kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> Holy like, shit. It's, it's kind of a surreal day. You know? <laughs> it's going like, oh, thanks, Billy. Eh, no problem. <laughs> yeah, cool. That is an amazing. That is like yeah. a, a like a short story. Uh, the watching the, the watching the stunt doubles. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was already with you, Lauren. I was yeah. already with you on that anecdote, and then you gave me the stunt doubles, and uh, yeah. you signed <laughs> me for life. Yeah. <laughs> Holy! Well, I can yeah. think. I can think of no better uh, tribute. Here in the month where, where we um, uh, were, of course, we lost uh, Larry McMurtry, author of The yeah, Lonesome yeah. Dove, uh, then hearing a story of Lorne Cardinal and Billy D. Williams yeah. uh, connecting over the cosmic significance of the universe uh, as their stunt doubles in each other's <laughs> lives. Lauren. It was pretty awesome. Thank you so much for doing this, man. I, I could talk to you for hours. You are, are one of those people your 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 very presence is life affirming like it's just there, there is you your your humor but also like just your your love of life and 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 your enthusiasm for living is is something that uh is just it's pure magic man and i uh, uh, appreciate it yeah, so I much appreciate it. i appreciate the invite and anytime mr demers anytime give my love to monique and uh we can't wait to uh Follow up that uh, that uh, yeah. er, late February 2020 brunch with a uh, post pandemic follow up. Yeah, and uh, give your your girls a squeeze for us too. We'll do. Take care, my friend. Okay, brother. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.